Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Good morning. How are we all doing this morning? Um, so today we are going to continue what we started last week. And again, I'll just say that if you didn't make it last week, um, go back, listen to last week's message. It was really important. It was our first two values today. We're looking at the other two values here. And um, if you only hear one of these messages, uh, it, it's going to be off balance because as Lucius was saying, we, we need to be um, those that have a personal relationship with Jesus, right? And, and that we are making sure that that's healthy and we put uh, enough focus on that, that, that personal walk with Christ. And then also we need to be people who are looking outward and, and we're thinking about what God has called us to be and do in the world. And so today uh, we are going to be looking at those values of ours that help us to look outward and to see uh, what it is and who it is that God has called us to. Um, you know, there, I think all of us might think of our lives as um, needing to have an up focus, which is our worship, our relationship with Jesus, right? Our, our, our time in the Word, um, that's that up focus. And in focus, and that would be like our relationships with other believers, um, that's our love for one another. It's the number, it's the commandment that Jesus left his disciples with, the great commandment that they would love one another as he had loved them. And then an out focus, which is the great commission. It's this, this call to go and to, to make disciples of all nations, right? Does that make sense? So we need to kind of think of our lives that way and ask yourself, be asking yourself, where have I been off, right? Have I missed one of these three things? Have I been neglecting one of these three things? And I think that that's a good question for us. And I think churches can, can neglect one of these three things or overly emphasize one to the neglect of the others. And we want to try and avoid that. We aspire to being well-balanced between uh, having an up-focused you know, first and foremost, but then having both an in, loving one another, building community, serving one another, proving that we're his disciples, and an out-focus. And that, that out-focus is the great commission. It's the mission that, that Jesus himself came here to accomplish and that he sent his disciples out to accomplish, to make disciples of all nations. So last week, we looked at uh, our first value of friendship with Jesus as the thing that if we miss that, we miss everything, right? And it's this value, friendship with Jesus, that the rest of our lives should flow out of, that these other values, they're worthless if you miss that, right? We talked about uh, Mary and Martha and how Martha got busy just serving Jesus and forgot to have a relationship with him. And, and Jesus gave her, her that gentle rebuke. You know what? Your sister, she's actually chosen the one thing needed to sit at his feet, to listen to him, to have a friendship with him. And then we looked at our value of depth, that when we have a relationship with Jesus, that, that we need to keep going deeper into the word to get to know him, that he speaks to us primarily through his word. The word of God is his self-revelation to us. And if we, if we want to know him, we need to go deep in his word. We'll never know Jesus better than we know his word. But we also need to be sure that we're putting it into practice, right? Because it's not enough just to build up a whole bunch of intellectual knowledge, but not to actually live it out, right? So that's what we talked about last week. Today, we're looking at hospitality first. And we're going to talk about the fact that hospitality, um, it, has an, it has an in component, right? When we think about hospitality here at New King, it has an, an in component where we're considering how we ought to love one another um, and prove that we're his disciples, and that's so, so, so important. And then also, um, it has an out component, uh, this, this, this um, 
impulse, right, to be a blessing to others, this impulse to, to, to look for opportunities, to invite others into a relationship with Jesus. That's hospitality. And then we're going to look at multiplication. This uh, command to make disciples, it, it involves actually some intentionality. It's not just going to happen. We need to decide as his followers that we're going to obey the Great Commission. And so, so that, that involves us pouring into others what Jesus has poured into us. It, it's multiplying who you are into another person. It's sitting down with them. It is training them. It's teaching them. It's walking with them. It's living life with them so that they can become a mature disciple of Jesus. Those are the things that we're going to be talking about. You guys ready? All right, let's pray together one more time. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence here with us. And... Uh, for the opportunity that, that, that I've been given uh, to, to preach this morning and the opportunity that every one of us have to hear from you, to worship your name. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the work that you have done in this church that we um, considered last week. We looked at just the story of New King, and we see your faithfulness, your goodness, um, in all of it, thank you for the churches that have been planted out of New King and uh, missionaries sent. And Lord, we, um, we ask that you would do more. We ask that you would guard us from uh, mission drift, protect us from self-absorption, guard us, Lord, from, uh, from getting caught up and distracted with things that uh, are not the main things. And Lord, help us to be healthy. Help us to be healthy disciples who make disciples. And I just pray that you would use this time right now, use my words right now, take over, Holy Spirit, and, and make these words effective. Make these words your words and, and pierce our hearts, Lord, with truth um, to bring about transformation in our lives. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So here is um, hospitality in a nutshell. Um, uh oh, I got a phone call. Hospitality in a nutshell. Um, when we think about Abraham, uh, maybe you know the story of Abraham, and and uh, in in Hebrews chapter thirteen, it says to show hospitality to strangers. For some have entertained angels unaware. Some by doing so have entertained angels unaware. Uh, it's this interesting little statement. Like, show hospitality because you might have an angel over to your house and not realize it. <laughs> right? And what it's referring to is this story in Genesis where Abraham is standing outside the, the door of his tent and these three men come walking by and he goes running out to meet them. Maybe you've heard the story. He goes running out to meet them. He doesn't know who they are. Just three guys come walking by. And he insists on feeding them. They're coming by his tent, right? And so he's got to bless them somehow. And he insists on it. He, 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 he presses on them. Come on, stay. Let me just get you something. Let me get you some water. Let me get you some food. Right? And it turns out that these are angels and the Lord walking by. And that's what Hebrews 13 is talking about. Show, make sure you show hospitality to strangers. You don't know when you might run into an angel. But here's what we see in Abraham's example. We see that he is eager to be a blessing. He's eager. He runs to the opportunity. Um, this, you know, this is pre-like granola bars. He didn't just hand him a granola bar. You know, like he, they had to slaughter an animal and, and, and make bread from scratch in order to feed these strangers. So he was willing to be inconvenienced 
and, and eager even to be inconvenienced in order to be a blessing to some people he didn't know. And don't you know that that brought more blessing into his life in the end? Because he actually ended up having a conversation with the Lord because of that. That's hospitality um, personified. You know, you might think of hospitality as just like opening your doors and having somebody into your home. I want you to think of it much bigger than that. I want you to think of hospitality as a way of living where you're eager to bless other people, where you're the first one to step up when there's an opportunity to serve, where you're the first one when somebody else is is cleaning up in the church and you see it where you run over and you say, hey, let me get that, let me get that. Or when somebody comes through the doors, you're the first one to meet them. But this goes way beyond these walls. I would love it if you would think of this as being a way of being in your workplace and in the grocery store. There's a way to show hospitality to the person that's checking you out at the grocery store or to the waiter or waitress at the restaurant. There's a way of being that's eager to bless, right, that gives the best tip of anybody in the restaurant that night. And, and, and she saw you pray, and she knows that you're different. Not just because you prayed, but because you're eager to bless in the way you, in the way you interact, right? This is, this is what we're getting at with hospitality. Um, I, I, you've heard me talk about, most of you have heard me talk about, we, I went to visit our uh, partners in Central Asia, and was so impacted by the way that they live their lives with such intentionality that they live so intentionally. They ask, they ask with everything they do, is there a way that this could possibly serve to advance God's kingdom? And, and the, resu- the result of that mentality is that they're always being hospitable to people. And I, I, I was pondering this while I was over there and pondering this on my way back and 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 the words that came to mind were intentionality and leveraging every relationship so here's the way that i want to look at hospitality today um, more focused on the outward aspect just know that jesus is um jesus left this commandment to us that we should love one another. And we've talked about that a good bit. That's not what I'm going to focus on today, that inward element of hospitality, as much as I want to talk about this outward-facing element of hospitality. Here's, here's the way I want to look at hospitality today and consider hospitality today. Hospitality is intentionally leveraging every relationship and interaction to see God's kingdom advance. Imagine, just imagine with me, if everyone in this room decided today, that's going to be how I live my life now. Just think of the, the ripple effects of that. Think of the impact. If we all in this room just said, I'm going to, I'm going to intentionally leverage every relationship and interaction to see God's kingdom advance. Now, this could be applied to in relationships as well, Right? Like, if, if, if we're intentional about the way we interact with one another, then we can leverage our relationships with one another to help God's kingdom advance. Let me explain to you what I mean when I talk about God's kingdom advancing. Um, what is a kingdom, anyways? A kingdom is the extent of a king's rule or domain, Right? A king, it's the extent of a kingdom. It's, it's usually, in, in this world, it, it has to do with lands that are conquered, right? Or, or lands that are under the rule and reign of a king or queen. Well, God's kingdom is not, it's not bound by lands, by, by boundaries on this earth. His kingdom is the extent of his 
rule and reign in the hearts and lives of people. Right? That's how his kingdom is defined. And so how does his kingdom advance? When a new person comes under the rule and reign of King Jesus. Now the kingdom just advanced. Right? And here's another way that it advances. When your life, when there's a whole area of your life that previously has been um, under your control and you suddenly see it, the Lord reveals it to you. You're having a quiet time and you go, ooh, wow. And you say, let me just submit that entire part of my life to you. His kingdom just advanced, didn't it? It's the extent of Christ's rule, of his reign on the earth. So when we talk about his kingdom advancing, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the hearts of people. We're talking about actual lives being changed. We're talking about people who didn't know Jesus coming to know Jesus and willingly submitting themselves to his rule, right? Colossians 1.13 says that when we turn in faith to Jesus, that we're delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of the beloved Son, right? We're transferred out of Satan's domain and we're placed into Christ's kingdom. And the kingdom advances another person. So, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. And if, and we will have this on the screen as well, if you don't have a Bible, and I want to ask that you would stand for uh, the reading of God's Word with me. This is a long story. I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'll summarize part of it, but let me read the first seven verses for us. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you can be seated. So... Here we have an example of this outward-facing impulse of hospitality, and, and I'll explain. Here we have it in Jesus himself. Jesus is on his way to, uh, from Judea to Galilee, right? That's what it says at the beginning there. He's on his way somewhere else, and he stops here for a rest, he had to pass through Samaria to get where he's going. So Samaria was not his destination. It was the rest stop. He doesn't even go into town. He, 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 he got tired. Like, you ever think about this, that Jesus was all the way human while remaining all the way God? That he got tired, that he had to take naps, that he, that he had to sit down, that he probably got backaches, you know? He's like, guys, you guys go get something to eat. I just got to take a break. It amazes me. So he's resting. You could say, I mean, you just put yourself in his shoes as a busy guy, a lot of demands on him. You could say he's off the clock if, I, if, if it was me in his shoes, right? This isn't where I'm going. I got somewhere to be. I'm on my way there. This is just a rest stop. I'm tired. I just could, I could see myself being like, I don't think I'm going to engage with this person while I'm resting. Right? It'd been easy for him to do that. He's tired. He hasn't eaten. We're going to find out. And yet it's right in the middle of that place that God brings a divine appointment. Right in the middle of tired, right in the middle of I'm not all the way where I'm supposed to be, 
right in the middle of hungry, <laughs> that God brings a divine appointment. See what I'm getting at? The, it's often in the inconvenient times. It's often in the unexpected times. It's often in the, I'm not on the clock, I'm not ready for this, I'm not in the mindset for this, that the divine appointments come. If we have eyes to see them. Jesus, of course, did. Why? Because he really loved people. I mean, at the end of the day, that's why he sees people. Even though he's hungry and even though he's tired, he sees people because he really loves them, because he came to seek and to save the lost, because that's his burning desire in him. He wants more people to know him, so he sees this woman. And, and, and that's what our value of hospitality is supposed to be, therefore, is, is to remind us, if we will adopt this, this value, is to remind us to love people, that God's kingdom is for other people that are not yet in it, and that those people are probably going to come into our lives, and we're going to have interactions with them at times that don't feel convenient, right? And, and if we could get this, if we could get this lens to see our lives with, we would, we would begin to, to see all kinds of opportunities to really love and bless people. And, and that's what Jesus is doing here. Um, this is a newer thing. Ever since going and visiting our, our partners overseas, I've been trying so hard to see through this lens. You've maybe heard me talk about the, the ripped sweatpants uh, that, that our, our partner, uh, he had these ripped sweatpants, and he's like, instead of throwing them away like I, like I would, he's like, I'm going to go to a tailor and get these fixed not because he loved the sweatpants, but because it was an opportunity to meet someone that he wouldn't otherwise have met. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Imagine if we live like that, like a ripped pair of sweatpants are not just a ripped pair of sweatpants, they're a, a potential doorway to a relationship that could lead to the kingdom of God advancing. Imagine that. So let, let's make this really practical. Let's talk about how we could become a hospitable person like, like Jesus does, you know, like Jesus is. Look at this slide with me. Um, first of all, <clears throat> we've got to love people enough to be inconvenienced. Um, God is not going to wait until you feel in the mood to engage <laughs> or until you've had just the right amount of food and sleep and you've got just the right amount of time and you're in between things and so there's really nothing else on your mind. It's not how it's going to go down. So we need to love people enough to be inconvenienced. Secondly, we need to look for opportunities to engage. I mean, our eyes just need to be open, right? Right? We, we, just, we, we need to be looking around for ways that God is going to put people right in our path that, that he wants us to engage with, to talk to, to, to share with. We need to leverage every interaction. We need to leverage every opportunity. We need to leverage every pair of torn sweatpants. Every, every lost dog, our, our, this um, past week we had a, a dog running around lost in the neighborhood and this guy came driving around and, he, and the kids were outside and he said, hey, I lost my dog, here's what it looks like. And we're trying to put this into practice, right? Well, the girls, my, my girls, they're not necessarily trying to put this into practice. They just like, wanted to find a lost dog. This was just the coolest opportunity. We could find a lost dog. We could. And so they did, they did this walk around the whole neighborhood to find this lost dog. But Tiffany went with them, and she was thinking, like, Lord, are you going to use this as an opportunity? They come back to the house. They tell me about it. I was working from home. They tell me about it. And they look outside, and here comes the dog running into our backyard. 
and they freaked out. The dog is in our yard! And they go running out. I'm like, this dog, there is no way. I mean, this dog is going to bolt, you know? But it, but it happens to get caught in the next door neighbor's garden that they had this little fence around. And they brought um, hot dogs <laughs> with them to lure the dog in. And so, so we get this dog, right? And we, um, it had a little thing on its collar. And we call and, we, and, it, and it takes you to the, the town clerk. And the town clerk tells you the address of the owner. So anyway, so we find the address of the owner and we're like, let's go. This could be it. Like the Lord's giving the lost dog is a doorway to see God's kingdom advance. And we get down there and, and this neighbor is like, oh, yeah, they're not home. Just open the front door and the dog will go in. And we're like, well, shoot. What do we do? Do we take the dog home for a couple hours, you know, and wait? And, um, and like the girls had been so excited. I mean, they're, afterwards they were just going, we rescued a dog, we rescued a dog, right? And they're dying to tell this. And we we're like, okay, well, we just got to open the door. So we open the door, the dog runs in. And I'm like, wait a second, Lord, the neighbor. So turn around and I start walking across the street to the neighbor. I said, hey, hey, hey. Uh, I see, and I'm looking, I'm looking uh, for anything to start the conversation. And I look at, he's got a new truck in the driveway. That's a great looking truck, nice truck. And, and he goes, oh, you want to hear about the truck? And he comes walking off, and he, and he comes walking down the front, and he starts telling me all about his truck, and it leads to this big, long conversation about what he did. And, what, and, and it was the beginning of a relationship um, that... I'm excited, but he, he, before we're done, he goes, if you ever want to go hunt with me, just come on over, knock on the door. I'd love to take you. I'm like, we just met. Like, <laughs> God is giving us opportunities if, if, we, if we'll open our eyes. So we need to love people enough to be inconvenienced, look for opportunities to engage, leverage every interaction. Um. This, I think, just takes practice, right? If, if, if you're not making a practice of this, it just it takes stepping out there and making a practice of it. Like when you're, try this, when you're checking out at the grocery store, ask the person how they're doing. Ask them a follow-up question. Begin to engage with questions, right? Just don't just say, hi, hope, you know, hope you're doing well. No, ask them questions. See if they open up. Look for keys. Look for the new truck in the driveway. Look for that key that unlocks the conversation. Let's look at the next part of our passage in John 4, verses 8 through 10. It says, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Long story, so skip down, verses 15 through 18. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to drink water, to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. Now notice, I just want to point out what Jesus does in this conversation. First is, he moves the conversation from the natural, hey, could, could you give me a drink, to the spiritual, I'm actually living water. Right? You see how he did that? See how he just very naturally went from, oh, while we're talking about water, by the way, I am living water, <laughs> right? That's not, I wouldn't suggest that you do that. <laughs> but, that but that's how he does it, right? He goes from just an everyday conversation to he shifts it to spiritual things, to talking about spiritual things. And then, and then notice what else he does is, is he, the Holy Spirit, gives him insight into this woman's heart, a sin issue, 
And he, and he turns that key and says, yeah, go call your husband, right? And she's like, oh, I don't actually have a husband, right? This ends up being the key to her heart. When she goes back into, into Samaria, the, the testimony that she gives that brings the whole town out is, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. This was the key that unlocked her heart. She was open at this point. I learned this little, this little evangelism technique from... Um, some of you guys know Ben Whittinghill, who's been here before preached. He's a pastor and church planter down in Brattleboro, Vermont. His dad is an amazing evangelist, and he, he does this. I, I remember, I remember um, anybody ever eaten at Waffle House? Only a few of you lucky people. It's just, we don't have them here, but it's such a good, greasy place. But anyways, um, we're at a Waffle House having breakfast, and and the waitress comes up, and she had this little pin on her vest, and, and he's talking to her and just being friendly, and all of a sudden, he, he, he asks about the pin. And before you know it, this woman is, is just in tears, sharing about, about this really hard thing in her life, and this pin had some meaning connected to that, and I can't get into all of it. But then, and then he got to share the gospel, the hope of the gospel with this broken woman. And, it was, and, and, and afterwards we left and I said, how did that just happen? What just happened? And he said, I asked the Holy Spirit to give me keys to unlock a person's heart. And he'll highlight something or, or just bring something to my mind and I'll share it. And, I'll, and, and, and suddenly they're open. It's, and, it, and we see Jesus doing the same thing here. He's listening. He's listening for keys to open the heart. I gotta move on a little bit here. So let's let's look at the rest of these um, becoming a hospitable person. So we need to love people enough to be inconvenienced, right? Jesus was tired, hungry, not to his destination. He still sees this woman, loves her, and engages with her. We need to be on the lookout in order to see those people that God brings around so that we can engage with them. We need to leverage every interaction, every torn pair of sweatpants in our lives. We need to lead the conversation to spiritual things. It's just a practice, right? It's, it's what did you do this weekend? And then you ask them questions. What did you do this weekend? Well, I was doing this and I was doing that. And then, and then, then inevitably, you know what happens? They say, what about you? What did you do this weekend? And you say, well, I went to church. Uh, yeah, and we, hear, we heard a sermon about blah, 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 blah. I mean, learn to turn the conversation there. Listen, and, and here's another thing that um, in the book Tactics is about apologetics and, and evangelism, he was saying you, we, we need to shift out of thinking that the goal of all evangelism is to get a person to pray to receive Christ right then. That's just, when we think that, we're going to feel perpetually discouraged. That is obviously the end goal is that a person comes to see Jesus Christ for who he is and turns from sin and puts their faith in him, and right? That is the goal. But but it is a win any time you move a person one step closer to that because God is going to use probably a thousand people and circumstances in an individual's life. Think about your own testimony, right? A thousand people and circumstances to move them to that place of faith. And you are probably one conversation along the way, most likely. Maybe not. Maybe you're a friend and a close friend at that or a relative, and you're going to really walk them all the way there. But I'm talking about when you're just engaging with people People out there in public in your workplace or at the grocery store, the gym, or wherever you are, you're probably just one conversation that's moving them a step closer. And if you realize that's the goal and that's a win when you walked away from that conversation, that you're going to do that a lot more frequently. That makes sense? So, so we lead the conversation to spiritual things. We listen for keys to open their heart. And I just want to remind us, I think, um, don't try and go out there and, and live this out if you fail to live out the first value that we talked about last week. If you're not, if you're not growing in your friendship with Jesus, if you're not 
abiding there, right, and, and drawing on his life and power, you will fall on your face in everything else that you try to do, right? We know this. I'm not telling you something you don't know. You know that when you drift away from close relationship with Jesus, that everything else that you try to do is futile, right? And so we've got to maintain that and then let this be the overflow of that. All right, fourth and final value, multiplication. Um, So as I mentioned last week, our mission is to help as many people as possible find and follow Jesus. And that mission to help as many people as possible find and follow Jesus comes directly from the Great Commission where Jesus said to his disciples and, and through them to us that we should go and make disciples of all nations, right? And, and, and we're not done there. We baptize them and we teach them to observe all that he commanded us. So there is this, there is this um, evangelism piece and, and we're helping people to find Jesus and come to know him to become a disciple, but then we're also, discipleship is the process of walking with a person to to grow in their relationship and maturity and to look more like Jesus. And that is what we're getting at when we talk about this value of multiplication. When we think about multiplication, we're thinking about it very holistically at New King. We're thinking about multiplying at every level. Uh, Disciples need to be multiplied. Leaders at every level need to be multiplied. Community group leaders need to be multiplied, right? Pastors need to be multiplied. Hospitality leaders need to be multiplied, right? And And then churches, at the level of churches, churches need to multiply. Churches need to have babies, right? And, and that's, that's the goal. We want to be a fruitful church that's having babies and that those churches are, are having babies. So we have, so one of these days, Lord willing, we'll have granddaughter churches out there and great granddaughter churches. Can you imagine? That's what we're talking about when we talk about multiplication. Um, but, but I just want to like bring it all down to just the everyday level that, that you and I are living our lives on and not overcomplicate this because I have a tendency and probably you have a tendency to overcomplicate things, right? So let's just think really simply. When Jesus had spent three years with his disciples, and they, they were taught by him, they, they learned how to live the way that he lived, then he, he says, now, here's what I want you to do. Go make disciples. So in other words, a disciple, disciple making involves pouring into other people what Christ has poured into you. It's really simply. That's what it is. Pouring into other people what Christ has poured into you. And that involves uh, intentionality because it won't just happen by accident, right? We need to take the time. We need to... Ch- we need to decide. This is someone I'm going to sit down with and I'm going to pour into. And I'm going to teach what Jesus has taught me. Um, so that should be the goal of every believer is that we could be at that place where we are not just a disciple, but that we're a disciple who can make a disciple. Right? Um, 2 Timothy 2.2 talks about this uh, idea of multiplication. We're going to get around uh, uh, teaching 2 Timothy after, after Christmas. But here's what Paul says to Timothy. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, if you just read through that, you will miss the fact that there are four generations of believers in this sentence here. Well, you've heard from me, Paul, that's generation one. What you have heard from me, that's, that's Timothy, that's generation two. In the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, that's generation three, faithful men, who will be able to teach others also, generation four. Four generations of disciples. This is how multiplication, this is the way that the kingdom of God expands, right? It's one person saying, let me pour into you what Jesus has poured into me. Um, so how do we become a multiplier? Um, 
Let me give you a few simple things. To become a multiplier, we need to get healthy. We need to find the hungry. We need to help them grow. We need to hand it off. I'm kind of obsessed with alliteration. Um, It's helpful though, right? We need to get healthy. Let me talk about that first. We need to get healthy. This is the first step to multiplication. This is not to say that you should become a super a super Christian before you try to pour into somebody else. That you that there's some level of I've got to get to like green beret Christian before I can disciple somebody else. That's not it. But you do need to be healthy. And you need to have the discernment to know the difference. Like because here's the deal. We 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 don't multiply what, who we wish we were, we multiply who we actually are. You, you, don't act, you, don't, you cannot raise people up to a level higher than yourself. This is the way that Jesus says it in Luke 6.40. We have that one, Luke 6.40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Right? So, so here's what I'm getting at. Um, it, I, I want you to get healthy first before you make a disciple. Not, not super mature. I'm not talking about Green Beret status, but I'm talking about if you're still addicted to sin of some kind, it's just um, in your life. You're not ready to disciple someone else. You're not reading your Bible at all. You're not pursuing knowing Jesus more. You're not ready to make a disciple. Um. If you've got a, a serious problem with anger that just controls you and you are lashing out at your family or something, you're not ready to make a disciple. Um, if you're addicted to pornography or, or, or lying or, or gambling, you're not ready to make a disciple. Um, but if you are growing and there's still... a you are, listen, I'm not saying once sin all, is all out of your life, then go make disciples. That's not what I'm saying. And that's why I'm saying you need discernment. But if, you, if you're not growing, if, if sin has still got its uh, tentacles wrapped around you and you are ensnared to sin, then you're not ready. You need to get healthy before you multiply yourself right? You need to be growing. You need to see, you see progress in your battle against sin. You need to see progress in your relationship with Jesus, right? You guys with me? Um, a diseased tree produces diseased fruit, right? And so we need to have, be healthy so that we can produce health. So let me, just, let me just, before I move on to those next um, steps of becoming a multiplier, let me just give you seven things to start to become a healthy Christian. If you're not healthy, you're sitting here and you're like, uh-oh, that's me, I'm not healthy. Let me just give you quick seven. Not going to hang out here for long. Start making friendship with Jesus your goal. Number one, start there. Back to, back to last week. You didn't hear it last week? Go back and listen to it. Start there. Start repenting of all known sin in your life. You can't keep growing. You can't keep moving forward if there's a sin that you're refusing to repent of. Um, Commit to church. Come here every Sunday. Or if it's not here, become committed somewhere that's healthy and go every Sunday. Um, Start having daily time in the Word with Jesus, even even if it's 20 minutes to start out. Just start there. Begin that habit. Start living generously and, and tithing from your income. I think it's a great place to start. That's not a command, I don't believe, but I think it's a great place to start. Ask yourself, am I living generously with all that God's given me? Start serving in the church. It's, it's, a, it's amazing. We see it over and over and over again, the shift that happens from consumer to contributor when people say, it's as simple as I'm just going to come a little bit early and I'm going to shake hands. I'm going to welcome people who come in the door. That seems so small and you can easily write it off and say that's not important, but it really does shift the way that you, your attitude towards the church. And, and, and join a community group. These are just some suggestions, okay? Just some suggestions because when you get in community, you will find that your relationship with the Lord grows.
I'm out of time. I got to finish this up. All right, becoming a multiplier. Let's go back to that slide. We got to get healthy. We got to find the hungry. If you're not sure, if, you're, if you say, okay, I think I'm healthy enough. I want to I disciple someone. How do I decide who to disciple? Yeah, let me just help you. Look for somebody who's hungry. Look for somebody who's spiritually hungry. Who is it that wants to talk about spiritual things? Who is it that's interested in the Bible? That's who you want to disciple. I don't know. You will be miserable if you try to force somebody into a discipleship relationship that isn't hungry. (laughs) It will be the worst thing ever. I've tried it. Um, The ministry, the Navigators, they're big on discipleship. And here's the little acronym that they have said, this is how you can find somebody to disciple. They need to be F-A-T. Fat. Uh, I don't think I have a slide for this one. They need to be faithful. So you, you ask them, hey, would you be willing to meet? And they say, yeah. Or you say, hey, let me suggest that you read this book. And they say, sure, give it to me. That's faithful. Available, right? They, they consistently make the room in their schedule to, to meet with you. They need to be teachable. They, when you suggest something, when you say, hey, this is how I believe that you should change this thing, they, they put it into practice. When you show them something in the Word, they don't say, well, yeah, 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 but, 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 right? They're teachable. And though, that will be an enjoyable and fruitful discipleship relationship. So get healthy. Find the hungry. Help them grow. Simple. I don't have to go into this, but find where they are and help them move forward. You're, you're not going to walk somebody into glory, most likely. <laughs> you're going to help them get a little bit more mature and grow a little bit in the time that you spend with them. Find where they are. Help them to see practical ways that they can move forward in their walk with Jesus. Help them grow. Ask good questions. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit for insight that, that will help that person, right? Help them grow from where they are. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is not your job to be the Holy Spirit and to fix people. Don't put that pressure on yourself. The Holy Spirit does this. You're just coming alongside God in the process and and helping. Okay? And then finally, hand it off. Because you're not the Holy Spirit, there will come a point when you're done and somebody else can step in and, and take it. But, you, but, but discipleship relationships aren't forever. They're not lifelong, generally, right? I mean, Jesus discipled his, his guys for three years, and even before that, he was sending them out on missions, right? Hand them off at, at a certain point when, when the, the Lord is leading. So just a, a way to think about this, I generally go into a relationship thinking somewhere between 6 to 12 months. Uh, and, and there have been discipleship relationships that have gone years for me, but the majority of the time, it's somewhere between that six to 12 month uh, range. And, 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 and the point is that you're not, you're not supposed to be holding somebody's hand until, until they go to heaven. It's not how Jesus did it. The point is multiplication, which means that, that you go into it with this understanding at, a, at there's a certain point that I'm going to be done and you're going to turn around and you're going to go disciple somebody else, right? And if we don't ever hand them off, then we're actually hindering their growth. So um, let me just wrap up this two-week series. We need to, we need to have all four of these values if, if we're going to live balanced Um, holistic, healthy lives as Christians. First, we need friendship with Jesus. That's the thing that everything else flows out of. Secondly, we need to dig into the Word to get to know Him. He he transforms us. Uh, he, He sanctifies us by the truth, and His Word is truth. Thirdly, we need hospitality that's both looking inward to those other believers in the room, to love them, to love the other Christians in the church, and also outward to be a, a blessing to others to intentionally leverage our lives in order to see God's kingdom advance. And then finally, we need to, we need to have the goal of being multipliers. That, that at the end of the day, the, commission, the great commission is that we would make disciples. And that happens intentionally, not accidentally. And so if you 
have never been discipled, I would say we would love to get you into a, a discipleship relationship. We have uh, these little books that are about discipleship. Um, and we have, I know we have several in the, in the foyer if you want one um, that just kind of simply lay out the way that we do D groups, which is uh, one of the contexts that discipleship happens here at New King. So um, I've gone too long. Let me pray for us and ask the Lord to help us to live these things out. And just as you um, bow your head and close your eyes, um, I want to just say, if you don't yet know Jesus, if you haven't yet started the the relationship with him, um, I want to invite you to do that today. I want to invite you to turn from your sin, turn from doing life your way, and turn to Jesus in faith. Put your trust in him, cling to him, and let him forgive you of your sins. He died on the cross in order to pay the penalty for your sins and mine so that anyone who turns to him in faith, don't overcomplicate it, anyone who turns to him in faith can receive forgiveness of their sins and start a brand new life. Let me pray, Lord Jesus. There are... um, probably a thousand things in every one of our lives that you see that need to change and and many thousands of things that you see in our lives that need to change. But Lord, I pray that you would put your finger on just one or two today. What is it that you're speaking to us, Lord? Help us um, not to miss that, but to leave here um, with clarity about about what repentance would look like for each one of us today. Ways that our thinking needs to change and our living needs to change so that we can bring glory to you and, and that your kingdom can advance through our lives here at New King Church. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen.